Oh God, you are, you are Lord of heaven and earth and you speak into every area of our lives because you are the creator. And as we spend time together today, I pray that we will be still. Uh, we will have wide open ears and wide open eyes to see you for who you are and to be transformed by the sight of you, uh, to hear your words for us, God, to not, not receive them with protesting and, and doubting and skepticism, but, but to really be open to what the Bible is going to tell us today. I ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to start today by, uh, by reciting uh, the Apostles' Creed together, and it's going to flow right into where we're going in the book of 1 John. Um, so what we're going to do is first we're going to recite it, and then I'm going to explain, explain the reason for that. The Apostles' Creed is something that, um, it was first titled the Apostles' Creed in 390 by a guy named Ambrose of Milan, and, and even though it was the first time the title Apostles' Creed was used then, literally the Apostles' Creed is full of statements that the apostles shared throughout the scriptures, and this, this forms the core of what we believe. And this is, this is really important because a lot of times in, in churches or what we believe, it just, we get distracted. And so as, as you repeat this with me, what I ask of you is to really consider, is this what I consider being the heart of what I see true Christianity being? So we're going to pull it up here and uh, just recite it line by line. And so if you'll follow me, um, obviously I encourage you, if you uh, believe this, to recite it with me. If, if it's something that you don't believe yet or are still questioning this thing, you can just listen. That's fine. Here we go. I believe in God the Father, Almighty Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. That is good stuff. And oftentimes... In our faith, we get so distracted, we get so busy talking about politics and things that, that aren't at the center, right? If we get centered on these things, it's good because then it focuses us and everything else begins falling to the side. So this is very important. But it still needs, I think, for us explanation because, because we have been such a distracted people or we're people that don't understand Old English. For example, the word quick here doesn't mean fast, He's not coming to judge those who run faster than others. He means those who are alive. <laughs> and where it says here, the Holy Catholic Church, it doesn't mean our friends up at Our Lady Star of the Sea alone. It means a united people of God. Right? So why do we recite the Apostles' Creed? Why are we doing that this morning? 
And the reason is this. So the book of 1 John, which we are in this morning again, is built on 1 John reminding the church, reminding the people who he writes to of what they once believed that was so precious to them. What they once believed that was so precious to them. You see, they got distracted. And I think we can see that when we read the Apostles' Creed. When we read the Apostles' Creed, one of the things you have to notice is that it's about God, right? I think if you were to probably write your own creed, it would sound like this. I believe that I'm created in the image of God. That I, and we go on from that. And, it, and, it, and most of us, our perspective is so me-driven, me-centered, that, that we, we lose perspective. And it's hard for us to grab a hold of who God is. And, and the reverse of that is what's true in the Apostles' Creed. It's saying, I believe in God the Father, Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, born of the Virgin Mary. I, right? <laughs> and it goes on describing who He is. And we get who He is, all of a sudden, who we are is brought into perspective. Does that make sense? I mean, so, so John, in the book of 1 John, is reminding them of the true content and experience of their faith. He goes, literally, I think this is, if we're going to put it in our modern words, he would say, do you remember when you were swept off your feet by the truth? When you just, you heard it, and it was so good. And you gave your life. You said, I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus, His Son. I believe in the Holy Ghost. And that, to you, was life. Sounds like the book of John, right? And, and his, his light was the life of men, Right? Th- that's what it was. And we, somehow that church had got distracted along the way. It had lost focus. And so, so he comes to remind them of that, the sick and dying church, because they'd become distracted. And he says, it is my joy to write this to you guys. And, and this is, I was wrestling through it, because I thought, okay, if he's reminding them of their error, how can that be happy? And, and so this is, this is the way I thought of it. Imagine that Nate and I, we're in Cambodia. And as we were bushwhacking through the jungles of Cambodia, we happened upon a king cobra. This, this is very likely, okay? And, and, and obviously, I, Nate throws himself in front of me to protect me. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a great man. And, and he gets bit by this king cobra. Okay, so me, of course, I kill the cobra really quick. And then I, I run off because the only way, the, literally the only way, to find help for Nate is to get an antivenom, right? To get something that can cure him, the antivenom. There's, there's no other really remedy for this. And so I come back, and obviously I'm, I'm terrified. I don't want Nate to die. I love Nate. And if I come back, but when with joy, I administer the antivenom, right? I'm stoked to administer the antivenom. And, and this is what it's like. So, so John, writing to this church, his excitement is to recall for them what will save them, because they've been distracted. And, and we, in America, live so distracted in our faith and our religion. Why? Because... Because, oh, it's the Republican faith, or it's whatever faith, right? It's all these other things, and and our faith begins to ail. It gets sick. And so with joy, John is writing to them going, let me remind you of what's true. 
Because that alone, that alone is what will save you. And so that's his joy of writing. So there's, um, there's two tests that he gives, and we've worked through one already, two tests of what, what true faith looks like. And the first one is, is the moral test, and that is, are you like him? Are you like Jesus? And, and so as we walk through that, he says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. If you claim to know Jesus, you must walk as Jesus did. Right? That's a good test. How do you know that you're aligning yourself with the truth? The first is the moral test. If you can't say you love Jesus if you disobey him. That should make sense. You can't claim to walk with Jesus if your life looks nothing like Jesus. That's a good standard. We should have that written on our walls. <laughs> right? If you claim to know him, you have to walk as Jesus did, right? Let's be done with this idea that we can say, oh, I know him, and then go on and do whatever we want. It doesn't work like that, right? So that's the first test. And then when Pat preached a couple weeks ago, then he showed how we can grow, how, how real life is made visible by real growth. He, he used examples, right, of his son, right? Real life in Liam is made visible because Liam continues to grow, and real faith in you is made visible because you continue to grow and mature in that. Right? Can you see the signs of life in your own life? And so what we've come to today is, is the second, and that's what we're going to call... Um, so the first was a moral test, and the second is the truth test. The truth test. Um, and so, if you will read with me, we're going to jump right into 1 John 2. We're going to be uh, verses 18 through 27. And this is how it reads. Dear children, this is the last hour. As you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is the man that denies Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Verse 24. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will also remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, even eternal life. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you... The anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has been taught to you, remain in him. Remain in him. Okay. This is super curious. 
I, I, reading, you know, so when I was assigned this passage to preach on, I thought, great, we're talking about end times, antichrist. <laughs> um, you know, as I grew up, I, I was not a child of the 70s, but um, very much, <laughs> for you who were, bless you. Um, you know, I, even in the 90s, the whole end times thing was very strong. Um, just raise hands if you've ever seen the movie Thief in the Night. Curtis, you have seen the movie Thief in the Night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes, or 10 others like it. So Thief in the Night was this, this uh, end times movie where like, this woman wakes up and the alarm clock's going and she just had this dream about, like, the rapture, and then it happens. And it's kind of a grisly film. I, I wouldn't recommend it, especially to your children. Don't let them watch it. Um, but but from, from that, I think that was 1986, through, and then we had the Left Behind book series. And, and what this created, this sensation of, of uh, I think, fear, kind of around... Well, God's coming, and so you best be ready, all right? And so as we, as we enter into, I did say best, it was kind of ebonics. Um, so as we enter into this, what is, what is John talking about here? Why does he mentor, mention the last hour and then the Antichrist? And, and I, think, I think this is it, because... As you read the, the Bible about this time, this time in history, um, there was a profound sense that, that these were the last days, right? And so you can, you can look at the Bible and say, well, did they not understand there was going to be 2,000 more years? And I would say they didn't know how much longer it would be, right? And, and neither do you. Okay, and, and it's clearly taught in the scripture that no man will know the day and the hour when Jesus arrives, when Jesus comes back. But what we do know is that when Jesus came, he came to rescue us, show us what life by the kingdom of God, living by the kingdom of God would be like, and that we were meant to pray Daily, without ceasing, may your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we're meant to live the kingdom life here right now, to be a city on a hill showing everyone who God is. And, and in that, there's a reality of also a time when the kingdom will be the culture of this earth also, because right now it's not. Right? And so they lived with this longing, a longing for a day when... <laughs> When God would come and make his kingdom just cover the planet. And they longed for that. Right? And so, so that's this concept of last hour that they had. And, and there was an awareness that they weren't sure, that there was a mystery. There was this lingering mystery with that, when that would come. But they longed for it. In, in the book of Peter, Peter says, Jesus is coming back for who? For those who are longing for his appearing. Not those who know that it will happen in 2015 or whenever, right? Those who are, may your kingdom come because we're constantly seeking that. But while we seek that, we want to live by the truth and live by the the kingdom of God. Okay, with that, he also addresses this concept of antichrist, right? 
And the Antichrist, I think now... Oh, sorry, I was about to say something horrible, so they just cut me off. Um, <laughs> uh, this concept of Antichrist, like then, like now, there was this idea of one figure who will rule the world with lies. <laughs> and, and what John attacks here, and what we should attack now, not... It's not a figure out there who someday will come, oh, is it, is it the current president? Is it Putin, right? <laughs> who is it? No, what, what John is saying is that it is those who believe the lie. He says, many, many have come. Many are in your midst who also have believed the lie, live according to the lie. And, and those, those are the people. And, and I think what's crazy about this is that I think many of us will even look into our own hearts and go, there are times where I've set myself against God. <laughs> right? And that's literally all antichrist means, living against him. And so John equalizes this playing field, and he goes, last hour, antichrist will come. But what I want you to know is that it's not as crazy and extraordinary as you think it is. Right? So refocusing, bringing it back from fear, focus back on God. The focus is, do you know the Son? Because if you know the Son, you know the Father. Right? That is verse 23. No one, who deni- no one who denies the Son has the Father, but whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. That's why Apostles' Creed is so important for you to know love, cherish, remember, because we get caught up in this other stuff. We get caught up, oh, when when will the end times come? Or, who's the Antichrist? (laughs) Failing to hold precious and true, do you know the Son? Because if you know the Son, you know the Father. And from that, there's, a, there's two safeguards he mentions that will hold us firm to the truth. And, and for the remainder of the time, we're just going to deal briefly with both of these safeguards. And the first, if you look in verse 24, is this. See that what you heard from the beginning remains in you. So the first safeguard is this. Remember what was taught clearly at the beginning and hold true to that. Remember what was taught at the beginning and hold true to that. And the second is this. The anointing of the Spirit which you see further down in 27. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains on you. So what does that mean? What is this? What is this? What will safeguard us from the lie? What we've heard from the beginning. Many of us, because we enjoy following the path of our own intellect, walk down many crazy side trails in the pursuit of truth. And I encourage you guys to hold true to this book. Hold it close to you. Memorize, love things like the Apostles' Creed. Is because the word of the Apostles was clear. And when you come to the judgment seat of Christ, it will not be what your eschatological views were, if you even knew what eschatological means, but it will be 
did you hold to what was first taught to you? And was first, I, I guarantee you, the first thing that was taught to you is this, that a relationship with God is possible through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is so, so important. Do you love that? Do you know that? Do you live by that? Do you share that? In 2 Timothy 2.2, it says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified teachers to others. Right? Hold to these things. Give them to others. And may they safeguard them and give them to other people. Two things from this that I want us to know as a church and just hold to is the first is this, that my responsibility, my responsibility as a pastor to you guys is to hold true to what has been written and believed since the beginning. My responsibility as a pastor is to hold true to what's been written and believed since the beginning. And if we steer the ship of this church in that direction, if we love that, if we love that and walk in that direction, letting all these other things fall to the side, we will be a life-filled, life-giving church because the life of Christ will be what we hold precious and true. In Acts 20, 28, and I think this is the heart of John, in Acts 20, 28, Paul says, keep watch over yourselves in the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples for themselves. So be on your guard. He says we must be ready for this. So as I admonish you, my goal, my whole goal is to remind you constantly of what we first believed from the beginning, not to add new, clever, funny, witty things to it, right? But just to hold true to what's been taught from the beginning because that is life. The second is this, to you, do not run after new and clever ideas. Guys, there will always be something presented to you in a really, really pretty package, it will look so good, right? That's why I love these, these like things that pull back the veil, like, like Proverbs 31, like charm is deceitful and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And, and I think that's such a good example. Why? Because we believe the lie. We believe that charm and beauty is what is most valuable, but, but in that it's like, don't buy it. That's fleeting. A woman who fears the Lord, she is to be praised. Right? Same thing with the gospel truth. The gospel truth is good, life-giving, but there will always be other things presented to you for you to hold on to, unwrap, live by, and, and guys, don't trust new ideas just because they're clever and witty and funny. 2 Timothy 1, 13-14 uh, says this, what you've heard from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Listen, it says, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Guard it is precious because it's something that will constantly, people will want to take it, warp it, steal it. But remember what gave you life. Okay? 
That's why, that's why John is so excited to call them back to the truth. That's why he's writing these people. I'm calling you back. Why? Well, because if you remember, the, the heresy he's writing against here is something called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism looked really good. What it was, was that the body was bad and the spirit was good. And we just have to put to death the body and live by the spirit. And people liked that. It was a hard time. They liked thinking that. He says, don't buy it. Jesus came in flesh, meaning the body can be redeemed. Right? And he gave his life so that you can be fully, fully restored. And that's the gospel. Right? There's going to be other things that people give you. Every year there's another book written that sounds good. And people read it. And it's a bestseller. But don't buy it. Read your Bible. Case in point. Next point. Okay. The second point is this. There's an anointing. And so while that is objective truth, right, and we... And that to us can be like, is this just like a line by line, like I'm just supposed to read it and do it? No. There's spirit and truth here, and the interplay here is beautiful, because the second is he goes, you know this, not just because I've said read this, but because when you believed it, you were anointed by the Holy Spirit. Right? And that's what you hear in the end of that last verse. He says, guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. The moment you believe... And you started your relationship with God, you were indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And that's special. That's something that those who do not believe do not have as a guiding source of life in you. And this is, this is incredible. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22 says this, Now it is God who makes both of us stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. We don't have to worry about when the end times will hit, when the last of the last days will come. It says that the Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing the things that are to come. We don't have to worry about that. What we need to worry about is holding on, differentiating between truth and falsehood and holding, holding a straight line to the truth. In Ephesians 1.13 it says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. And what this means, what this guarantee of inheritance is, and this is what's so special. Okay, if you're writing notes or not paying attention, pay attention. This is what's so special about the guarantee of inheritance in the Holy Spirit is this that the same Holy Spirit who led Jesus and raised him from the dead, as it says in Romans 1, is the same Spirit given to you to lead you and restore you. That's powerful. And because you're his, that means the relationship with Jesus, which Jesus has to the Father is yours also. Because the Spirit in you that guarantees that relationship. And that's powerful. That is part of this anointing that you're His. So remain in Him. So remain in Him. So let me just quickly 
just say what we've gone through. John, writing them, just says, don't get distracted. You've been so distracted. He goes, remember the moral test, right? That if you claim to know him, you must walk as Jesus did. Remember that what the scripture has said, it's still saying, hold true to that. But remember, you're not just going to do this by yourself. I've given you the Holy Spirit. And, and I had such a cool conversation with somebody this last week. Um, and they were talking just about how they had really just been smithing themselves to the Spirit. And, um, and, and they described it like just this sensation of just like really being compelled to live righteously. And, and it was the most beautiful thing. And, and what's beautiful about it is, is sometimes we get... We get um, nervous talking about the anointing because it's like, oh, we might go crazy. But, but he starts talking about truth, like hold to what you've heard from the beginning. Right? That's not up for question. But what I've given you to do that is the anointing. And, and, and that's to all people who believe in Jesus. And the reason why he really pointed this out in the book of John is because the word here for anointing is chrism. And, and it's a word that the Gnostics use to talk about secret knowledge and what Jesus is saying, or what, what John is saying is, he goes, it's not just for people who know this secret. It's for all people who believe. Right? All people who believe have the guarantee of the Holy Spirit on their lives. That's so special. But live by that. If you claim to know him, walk as Jesus did. That's how Jesus walked. That's available to you in Christ Jesus. So, do you hold to the teachings of Scripture? Do you know them? When you heard the Apostles' Creed, was that something that each line you said, Amen, I get that. Can you discern error from truth? Or are you easily attracted by new ideas? Have you learned to live in the anointing that is yours? Do you know that you are sealed and that the inheritance that is Christ Jesus is yours? Are you excited about that fact? Is it a joy for you to know that and to share that with other people who have lost sight of that? So, man, guys, I just offer this to you as a um, really a charge to hold faithful to this, but to, to, to not just for yourself, but like John, who re- reminded the church of who they are and then that this is something that's clear. It's not something that is unclear. It's something that you can hold one another accountable to. Like, like when I sit down with like a brother this week and, and we're talking, it's something that, that we can talk to one another about. And if he is not holding true, I can remind him of that. And with joy, apply anti-venom, right? <laughs> This is what we have in Christ Jesus. This is precious, and that's why John's sharing it with us. And I pray that this is the conversation that goes on throughout the week in the life of this church, because that, that is a firm foundation, guys, and this is so good for us. So, as I pray, we're going to go back into a time of worship, and, and I just remind you as we take communion together, just that act, guys, that act of communion is something that has been shared since Jesus broke the bread with his disciples before he was crucified before he rose from the dead. So in claiming that simple fact, by dipping the bread in the juice, you're going, this is what I hold to. This is what's precious to me. And it's an act of worship, guys, that just remember, it spans the centuries, and we look forward to his coming kingdom. So pray with me. We'll worship together.
Oh God, I pray that you will just sweep us off our feet with truth again um, as we close this time in prayer and then as we take communion and we worship again uh, in singing together. God, I pray that we'll be mulling over even maybe the Apostles' Creed today going, man, is that, is that what I build my life upon? It will be recalling things that we've forgotten. God, I pray that, that we can be faithful ministers of the gospel to one another and we'll encourage one another as we see that day approaching. I thank you for your word. God, plant it deep in our hearts. Water it. We want to see it grow. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.